there is um, his one coworker who's like shorter. He's like, oh, he's a little person. He's a, he's a little person. He's, yeah. he's, he's a little person. He's a dwarf. And, and... why won't you look at me? Too <laughs> this is film. Tank, 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 tank. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You know, we sit here like a couple of regular fellas. We're going to make film history. Can you say that again? Just the way you say it. Baby, it's time to lose their They won't know what they're looking at or why they like it, but they'll know they want it. Again, Film Tank friends, and welcome in to episode 206 of our little podcast here. I am Alex Diekman, along with Nick Cheney and Tucson Egan. LOL. Oh boy. What? LOL. What? It's fine. I'm just having a laugh, man. Oh boy. What? It's gonna be a long episode. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, What? Yeah. No. Is this a review of men, children, and women? I mean, (laughs) that Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Uh, Mr. Uh, Jason Reitman. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That sounds right. About the dangers of how technology doesn't actually connect us as a society. Isn't that that movie Click? No. No, that's the dangers of a Christmas Carol. Okay, cool. All right. Joining us also on this episode is our friend Anna Baruzadu. Hello. Anna. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey. Thank you so much for having me back, you guys. You are welcome. During my favorite season, Spooky season. Yeah. Spooky time. Yeah. Spooky time. <laughs> Isn't it actually your favorite season? I mean, I feel like this is the only season you can Don't describe as spooky. Put her on like, the spot. What if, she, yeah, what if that's private? Dope. Yeah, spooky. I feel like this is also the only season where I can get my PSL, so it's pretty up there in season, as opposed to winter, because my birthday, so. Yeah. But I, that's too long of an answer. <laughs> you just asked a yes or no question. Okay. No, <laughs> I'm just, what are PSLs? Pumpkin spice lattes. Oh. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that was that was a roll of the dice. I'm I was like, sorry. I don't, I don't uh, know what the fuck that is. I'm sorry. Is it a girl thing? I'm not going to ask. Yeah, I mean, all white girls like just know that instinctively, so okay. it's kind of my fault that I just said that. No, like, I just, just like that. I, I learned something new today. Okay, cool. Yeah, Tucson just came off extremely uneducated about female anatomy, so that's great. I'm sorry. I just, look, I maybe got it was your PSLs, uh, your TSS. <laughs> maybe maybe it's some cool I don't even know about. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You know, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I was comfortable yeah. enough knowing that it wasn't a female centric thing. Well, I, I, but I couldn't I wanted quite. You, I wanted you to go first. Latch on to yeah. Uh, but now I'm I'm glad I asked. Yeah. So that I never For, have to hear that again. I will say because <laughs> I would never have deciphered that myself. I will say this is super 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 random. Okay. But I randomly had a discussion in a group text mm-hmm. with uh, us. Kent, no, 
Kenny and uh, random. Okay, Kenny, uh, our former friend, well, still friend, but former co-host, <laughs> yeah, our former co-host and current friend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, rest in peace, Kenny. Anyways, we have a fantasy football group together, mm-hmm. um, and that's where it's like make believe shit, right? Sure. Yep, just like that. <laughs> It's all make believe. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, somebody uh, put a for some reason personal seat licenses came up, and I have a very strong opinion on them because they're bullshit. And as soon as she said that, I was like, "Wait a minute, were they talking about something that isn't personal seat licenses?" And That's I just so was weird. talking about it, and they were talking about pumpkin spice, pumpkin spice lattes. Oh. <laughs> you just got militant about pumpkin spice lattes. No, I mean. Like this group of like ten roller coaster nerds just talking about why the San Diego Chargers so much suck so much because of pumpkin spice lattes. So they're also the Los Angeles Chargers now. I should know my shit. Okay. Can I just say? Moving on. No, 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 no. I have actually something to say. I was very proud of myself the other day because, as someone who's not uh, well versed in sports, but who at least has his ear to the ground when it comes to just regular, you know, news articles. You know, if something's a story, I've probably heard it, whatever. Okay. So I always have at least one thing in my pocket. So if, like, sports comes up, you know what I mean? I can at least make a joke. Sure. But that's all I care about anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so let me just say I went to a wedding where I was the best man. <laughs> just plug for myself there. I went to Hell a wedding, too. Yeah. yeah, were you the best man? No, I Shut wasn't. Shut the fuck up, then. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's okay. I'm kidding. But was one of the he was not kidding. Yeah. Continue. Anna's on this. Yeah. Okay. So, and um, they were all talking fantasy football, of course, which I cannot. And this was all his groomsmen and whatnot and, and the groom. And so I let them have their fun or whatever. But then I just fucking interjected with a killer joke where they kind of got to a silent pause a little bit. And I said, yeah, well, you know, uh, one of my buddies on my league just traded me Andrew Luck. So I think things are really going to change for me, which is hilarious because he retired earlier this season and that's the kind of comedy just on the cutting edge of sports that i love to dabble so in. i feel partially responsible for that Wait, I, I was gonna say like, you were one of the ones that brought it i, was gonna say you I mean it real. was all over my twitter yep. feed mm-hmm. but certainly you i would say uh elaborated on what the hell was actually yes. happening yes and really the only reason why i even noticed it on my twitter feed was because the only year i've ever actually done fantasy football yeah, Andrew Andrew Luck. was my quarterback so i was already primed to recognize the name but anyway, yeah. Way, way too much sportsing for this podcast so far, so. Yeah, but, you know, it's like we'll do it once a year, so we don't have to do it for yeah. the rest of the year. Sure. We did Eight Men Out. That was a sporty thing. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's yeah. a movie, though. That is true. Never mm-hmm. happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conspiracy theorist, sure. or theory, so, Alex. Give it up. Speaking the of Black Sox don't exist. Speaking of movies that people wish didn't exist... The movie we're talking about today ah, yes. is the Todd Phillips movie, Joker, mm-hmm. which uh, was released a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, a episode that was circled on the Film Tank calendar, but as Toussaint and Nick were both alluding to, they had other things going on over the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. so everybody was too busy, and this was just the time that worked out to... Uh, which I actually think is okay, because... The climate has gotten to embrace Joker in a way. Yeah, the climate has changed. One could say that the climate has changed. Oh, like climate change. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, and, but I, I guess more like realistically, what I'm talking about is just that gotten to soak in what the uh, <coughs> what the hell it is pop culture reaction to this film is, and also the critical reaction is that has flowed a little bit since uh, this film's release. I would say, yeah. So. Anyways, for anyone who does not know about this film that's going to make like $800 million at the box office and mm-hmm. almost certainly have some sort of sequel. Almost uh, certainly have a Best Picture nomination. No, I don't think so. Are you sure about that? Yes. I could see Joaquin Phoenix being nominated yeah. as a bullshit nomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, totally. totally. Uh, I don't see Best Picture. No. Mm, yeah. That's just me. Yeah, but man, fair. speaking of best picture nomination, really quick before we get into this, oh so sorry, but oh uh, uh, what is it, Bob Iger, whoever the Marvel dude is oh up at God. top? You know, he made that comment because everybody's oh reporting God. on Martin Scorsese and uh, Francis Ford Coppola's comments about how Marvel, Marvel movies are this or that, whatever, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, Bob Iger made a comment saying, oh, oh, really? So I suppose you think Black Panther isn't a real movie. And, like, that was his statement. And, of course, people are rightfully saying, wow, hiding behind a black movie? Way to just weaponize, like, the the presence of one black filmmaker that you decided to then... Man, that's... uh... And there's also been reports that Marvel didn't even trust Ryan Coogler to the full extent to direct that movie, where they had guest directors do like the fight scenes and other parts of that. No, that's... They had to bring in Sylvester Stallone to really get the job done. That's not, like... Second unit over here. Like, this whole thing... I'm sorry that we're going to a tangent like this, but... um, Super for the course. Right when we're just about to discuss what the hell Joker's about. All I'm trying (laughs) to do is not talk about Joker. So, this whole... This whole whatever this this dust up over Martin Scorsese being asked a question. It's like it's not like he went on the top of his soapbox and just like yelled into a bullhorn like an old crotchety old curmudgeon man just yelling at the sky. I was like, I hate those Marvel movies. I think he was really just being pretty even handed with it. He says like, you know, yeah. I think that they're really, you know, for what they are. They are they're well done. They're and stuff, but it, for me, that's not really real sim- cinema. It's not really what interests me. And now, like every single Marvel filmmaker who is involved with this whole project, and Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith, have decided to just crawl out of the woodwork and just defend it and be like, "You're just so out of touch, man. You don't understand." It's like because they know what side of the bread their butter the what what they know where they're getting money from and it's just like i wish you had more self-respect i wish you had more self-confidence because as somebody who has been on this podcast for a couple of years you know four and a half four and a half years we've watched quite a few of these superhero movies yeah and i distinctly remember like at one point during our uh batman v superman episode Posing the existential question of whether or not I was ever going to see another one of these fucking films again because they just run into one another all the time. You don't go see a Marvel film because it's high art. You go see it because it's there. It's there. And you're going to go see it and everyone's going to talk about it and then a week later everyone's going to fucking forget about it because it's the fucking fast food of films. I'm not saying it has to be fucking like fine dining. It can still be a good meal, but it's just like – I will say I think my opinion on this podcast has shifted the most oh, it favorably has. towards superhero movies. Yeah. 
And yet, I also still fucking agree with everything that Martin Scorsese Because had. he's not wrong. Well, that's the thing. is, A, I only take you, it as a... You, you can disagree with him, too. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. Wrong with that, but, but I'm just saying, <laughs> like, as like I don't take it as an affront of, like, well, now I have to rethink what I've been thinking in the past, like, year or no. whatever. But it's just one of those things where... It's, and, but like Tucson said, the, the idea that because someone has asked a question, that somehow means that they are campaigning or crusading right. is, is just fucking crazy. If anything, like... These fucking, like, Marvel directors are the ones who made it into a huge thing. And then for some reason, Francis Ford Coppola comes out of, I don't know, the, the vineyard that he, like, retired in or some shit like that. And now he has some shit to say about it. Now everybody's... Why, because he hasn't made a good film in 30 years? I mean, hey, yeah, but he made The Godfather and Godfather 2, man. He made The Godfather and The Godfather 2, man. It's, yeah, but they didn't make as much money as Ant-Man and the Wasp. Who gives a fuck? Oh, my God. Um... Yeah, this whole thing is just noise. Yeah, it's noise and it's dumb. It's all just yeah, all just publicity yeah. for both sides. Yeah, I, so. I I think there's good people on both sides. Sure, good, sure, good. Yeah, so you don't get to argue that a film is 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 art when those same films get announced like a year before their fucking scripts are even done. A year? It's like four or five years. They do PowerPoints in the next five years. They do that. And I was just like, what the fuck? You didn't even like, all you have is a name. You don't even know who the fuck's going to be in this film. You don't even know who's writing it. Anyway, continue. I mean, it, it, okay. I was actually just thinking about that earlier this week and everyone's really, I don't want to say, Harsh opinions. Everyone's a little testy. No, uh, Marvel was like the prezi of film companies. <laughs> it's just like, oh my god, yeah, you can sucker a lot of people into thinking that there's magic going on behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, PowerPoint is classical for a reason. Oh so my man, god, I take... haven't heard that word since in... undergrad. Since undergrad. Oh my god, that takes me back. I had with what? fucking Toby. Yes. <laughs> Toby and his prezzies. I had I had one professor who was <laughs> really into prezzies, and they thought that was the next thing. Like they thought that was dethroning PowerPoint, like legitimately. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like PowerPoint didn't exist anymore. And you literally, no when I think of a Marvel movie, I also have the exact same thought of whenever I watched anybody's prezzy, which is okay. Now we're over here. Now we're over here. Now we're over there. Now we're over there. Now we're over there. Now we're over there. Oh, now we're over there. Okay. So, <laughs> oh my God, the real quick awesome. point I was going to make. Thank about, you. I'll be here all week. Yeah. About the Marvel <laughs> announcement of their next four years or whatever. Oh, Jesus. Uh, okay, every film studio has a fucking schedule. I'm sure, yeah. So, But you don't just like, you don't just lay it out like a fucking roadmap. Uh, I'm not saying. I don't know. They do because they can. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I guess I'm just saying that. Every other studio's got something like that, yeah. and they just don't make it public. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, they don't. But also, it also gives them the leeway to like cancel shit. <laughs> Marvel still does too. New Mutants was on there, and that shit hasn't that come out yet. MCU mm. type, you know, whatever. If they had put it up as like one of their like, there's not nothing will stop the fourth. Thor movie from coming out. Honestly, when it comes like, to... Like, just, you know what I mean? Just on paper, that's... My feelings about New Mutants, I was actually really, really looking forward to that, and if that spirals down into hell for a completed film, I really would be very disappointed. I have a feeling it might even end up on, like, some 
you know, Disney Plus or something if it doesn't get a theatrical release. Yeah, but we'll like, the, they'll just, never put that on Disney. Well, Plus. but still, I mean, I yeah, feel right. like it could be a film that could be easily cannibalized, and I just don't want that happening. It'll get under the silver laked. Oh yeah, release it, you cowards! Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, so Joker uh, takes place in Gotham City. Whoa! <laughs> where a, during the nineteen eighties, where, where a mentally troubled comedian named Arthur Fleck is disregarded and mistreated by society. Oh, that makes me sad. <laughs> he then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime. Jesus, IMDb. This path brings him face to face with his alter ego, the Joker. Woo! Oh boy. Oh boy, that I don't agree with anything in that, that second no, half. That that description is making people who don't like this film's argument for them. So that's great. So the film was written and directed by Todd Phillips, who previously uh, did the Hangover trilogy. Um, the, that third one's really bad. Yeah. Also, old school the and Hangover, Road Trip. the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rises. Old school road trip and due date. <laughs> were films he previously directed. He's done some other things too, but they're quite a bit lesser known. Yeah. And the film stars Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck slash Joker. Also Zazie Beetz. But not really. I'm sorry? But not really. She's there, but she's... We'll get we'll get yeah. to that. Okay, sorry. Uh, and then also Robert De Niro, Francis Conroy. Now she kind of sort of shows up in the film. Um, and then there's a bunch of other people who kind of show up a little bit too, including Brett Cullen, Shea Wingham, Bill Camp, and Mark I'm sorry, Mark Maron. Mark, Mark Maron. Well, he that's a, like a very small appearance, but yep. So this is a film that a lot of people have opinions on. Some people have very strong opinions on one way or the other, and we're going to talk about it, and it's going to be great. Yeah. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. All right. We were just going to sit here for like 45 minutes yeah. and stare. Cool. So. Um, and just like don't even take that out. Just like keep that 45 minutes of silence yeah. Yeah. in. Um, I went into this movie completely expecting to just not like it at all. Mm. My expectations were deep under the earth's crust. That's how badly I just didn't want to see this. Um, I didn't like the fact that... One of my favorite actors, Joaquin Phoenix, was going to be in a comic book property. I think I've mentioned that on this show before, that I just don't think certain actors are fitting for those type of roles. But I was proven wrong in every way because I was very pleasantly surprised by how much I liked this. Hmm. Um, some of my favorite things are like the unreliable narration or the unreliable viewpoint. Um, very heavily reminded me of American Psycho, which is one of my favorite films. I feel like there's not a whole lot of films that like use that, and there's even less that do that like well. Um, let alone on a superhero property or a superhero adjacent property. Absolutely. Um, and then I liked the timeline that this took place in in the Gotham universe to where we see Bruce Wayne as like a little boy and, you know, the relation to the Wayne family and everything like that. Um, and even the, how do I say this, gritty realism of 
New York, what I thought was the 70s, it's actually the very early 80s, but mm. everything still kind of looks and feels 70s. The 70s in New York informed the 80s, uh, at least as far as where this movie is concerned. Mm-hmm. It's like over on the deuce uh, in between 7th and 8th on 42nd Street, but yeah. Mm. Okay, very cool. Yeah, so um, I feel like the opening titles, the the way that font and scripture looked, it looked very 70s, so it was like very late 70s, early 80s to me. Um, but later I found out it was 1980. Anyway, I just, I like that whole setting. Um, I just was super just blown away by how much my expectations were completely turned around by this. So, um, those are my opening thoughts. Right on. Yeah. Cool. I think Tucson should follow that. I should follow that? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Because yeah. you're, we're going clockwise. <sighs> okay. Um, so how can I sum this up? So I, I went to North Carolina a couple of weeks ago for a wedding. And it was a week-long thing. We went to a beach house. It was a lot of fun. I ate a lot of shrimp, a lot of, a lot of Cajun-style shrimp. It was great. Nice. Um, how does this play into the actual mm. like in, encounter of me like going to see the yeah, Joker? Well, I'm, well, I'm we'll on the edge of my seat. So here's the thing. So I'm fully in like, mind. Before you know, the wedding, which happened on Fridays, like you know, earlier in the week, you know, we have a free time. You know? It was like this big house. We can do whatever we want. Tucson and, and I uh, did not go to the same wedding, by we the way. Did not go to the same, we did not go to the people same People were going to try to draw connections that no. were not there. No, there's no there's I no would connection. never go to a wedding that Tucson was appearing in. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, anyway, so the other groomsmen and I were bored. And we were like, you know what? Let's go see Joker. And so we walked over to the uh, local theater. And um, we came out of Joker. And they were really excited. They, they really liked it. And me, I... Fucking hated this movie, um, but I was very polite and saying, like, you know, there's like this part I liked and this part I liked, and you know, I'm you but know, now just, you get to say how you really. Now feel I can about just, it. I can really, yeah. really just say how I feel. Cause and then anonymously email him because then, as, then, as, then as soon as I, I I got back to the house, I wrote my impassioned letterbox review, mm. and I'm just like, yep, that's pretty much my 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 take on on the film. This movie is like. The Flintstones vitamin chew tablet equivalent of a Martin Scorsese film, in that it is just a dumbed down reduction crafted into the shape of a clown so that it's more digestible to folks who this movie. don't watch Martin Scorsese films or any type of film other than that doesn't relate to a superhero. I, when I say this, I'm not, I'm no, not, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not taking, I'm, I'm not <laughs> yeah. trying. No, 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 no. What I was going to say is that this movie is when Bruce Wayne uses the clown emoji on his phone. Yeah, this is yeah. when, yeah, this is when he uses the clown emoji on his phone. Yeah, I think this film is just. That a, Suicide Squad movie is really bad, by it, the way. It is really bad. We just rewatched that like three weeks ago and whoo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. at least Pete Davidson's going to be in the next one. Just kidding. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. Oh, boy, that's a positive. Okay. Let me let it me let me. me name off some things that I do like about this film, because there are yeah. things that I like about this film. Um, I like, Just dead air. I like <laughs> I do like Joaquin Phoenix. I think that mm. he is a, a terrific performer. And I think that if there is anything to take out of this, it's that he delivers a pretty good performance with the material that he has. Also, I really enjoy the some of the cinematography in this film. I think that it just looks really well. I like the color grading, um, the sort of 
rendition, this depiction of like Gotham City as sort of this seedy, like alternate reality, like New York. I think that's interesting. Um, I think that the whole Wayne dynamic with uh, the elder Wayne and like little Bruce Wayne and stuff like that, that feels like more of a uh, uh, a studio mandated edition that had to sort of be like sort of shoehorned in in order to like really. Especially since I can't commit to it. I can't really commit to it. Yeah. Um, I like those parts. I, I, I also like, I know this is one of those, those aspects of the film that gets talked about all the time, all the time. Um, the part where he's like dancing in the, the bathroom. I thought that was sort of, I, I look, 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 okay, look, 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 no, 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 no. What are you look, doing, Tucson? Let, 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 let me, let me, let me say we this. We talked about. <laughs> let this. me say this. Let me say this. Let me. We are going to be on the same page. Let me say this. Let me just fucking say this, okay? When I first saw that, I was like, I see what they're going for in that this person who has never sort of like relented to violence is sort of seeing their psychopathy like manifest in such a way that they feel liberated and you can see sort of the shade of like this man is not the joker but in him sort of like dancing like that you can sort of hint at sort of the theatricality of like what we what audiences expect to see of a fully manifested joker so i think that's like a nice interesting hint towards it but otherwise the whole dancing aspect didn't really like work for me as a whole Either way, I just think that this movie is just like filled with a bunch of rage and noise directed at everything and nothing at the same time. It seems like it's angry at rich people. It's angry at poor people. It's angry at people who neglect those with mental illness. It seems contemptuous of those with mental illness. It feels like it's it's trying to uh, mine the, the sort of cultural cachet of like – political uprisings while at the same time professing itself to be apolitical. Um, I feel like everything that is interesting about this film with regards to like sort of the main uh, main events of it are sort of borrowed from other films that have done it better. And ultimately uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever, I, I felt kind of a little bit sick because I feel like I've, it's it's seldom that I've seen a film that was so much about one man's pain but really had nothing to say about that pain and really just felt so masochistic and kind of exploitative and, and just – it made me feel kind of gross. But no pain, no Wayne. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true in this universe. Huh? That was a funny joke. That was a funny joke, Nick. Um Anyway, it's a uh, it's it's a film, and and if anything, if I'm going to tie off my my opening thoughts to this, I think that obviously the controversy surrounding this film is so overblown because really walking out of the film, I didn't think that it was even it even merits controversy in that regard. I think that it's just a very humdrum, like uninspired film that borrows so heavily from its from from its its predecessors that it just it has nothing to really like bank on it. We'll own. talk about it more. I don't really understand why people are so angry about I'm this not, movie. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, no, 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 I know. It's like this is just me sort of like getting no, no, my I'm thoughts not, on the table. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm I, saying I, on I both sides of the argument. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Every, um, it seems like everyone who has an opinion on this is very angry about the other side's opinion. Yeah, and and then when you take some time to like step away from it, and it's just like, there's really, 
there's not really a lot of reason to be angry about it. Well, there is one scene that, looking back on it in hindsight, really just kind of disgusts me. Which is what? Uh, it's the scene. It's it's the scene where uh, Arthur, after he has uh, been fired from his job, when he's like holed up in his apartment, he's visited by his um, by his uh, former coworkers. He murders one of the coworkers that you know, like, was responsible for him, like being fired, like, mm-hmm. like giving him the gun and other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there is um, is one coworker who's like shorter. He's, like, oh, he's a little person. He's a, he's a little person. He's, yeah. he's, he's a little person. He's a dwarf. And, and why won't you look at me? Too <laughs> Don't do that to me. And and uh. and like he's so terrified. And he's trying to get out, and he can't reach the lock. And I feel like that that inspired a whole bunch of laughter in in the in the theater. That, that happened for, to my theater too. That for me, like that feels that that's punching down. And I'm, I'm that that's, whoa. It's, so, is that a short joke? I didn't mean to be a short joke, but it's like, so the Joker can't do it, but you can. No, that's not what I meant. So if I if I can just interject since we're kind of talking about it, right, that's right. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say that would have been fine uh-huh. if he would have killed him, but since he let him live, yeah, it it I'm I'm kind of with you. Even yeah, though it it feels yeah. it feels really because that's the one person that the person that showed him compassion, and in this film it just sort of it, did he. Yeah. Or at least Well, I mean Arthur did say you were the only one that was ever kind to me. Right. Which Arthur says a lot of things. <laughs> I don't think Arthur was wrong in saying that. Yeah. No, I know. Everybody but else I'm... at Arthur's job was a dick to him. Right. He, he was. They were. I I just I'm generally trying to rem- well, I mean, remember the... what that relationship was like. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> I was going to say don't go down that rabbit hole cuz that's there's no hole there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a shallow grave. Um uh, Is it? Continue. <laughs> no, I was just going to say I barely remember him even being a presence in those well, maybe the one scene when mm-hmm. you do see him by the lockers that I don't know that I can really even say that he was somehow he maybe even if he says the line. Maybe it's even it's not even the the presence of kindness but sort of the absence of malice where otherwise that seems to be what colors that entire workplace. The, Probably the abject I mean, absence of malice. That might like that, be just what that, does it. That to him, in his in his in his world, in his in his worldview, in his mind, constitutes even the the the, the faintest like semblance. So, of kindness. but if he's motivated by that, and if he has a semblance of those kind of feelings, then how does he become the Joker? You put. If, I'm not defending this shit. Yeah. I am closing. No, I, I'm just trying to like right, right, pull right. these threads, you know, right. through and whatnot. Right. So I, I am closing out my opening. That's statement. why I'm with Alex. Where if he would have blown his head off after that, that would have been a sick joke that I would have completely believed the Joker to make. Yeah, but you have to make the Joker sympathetic because he's exactly. the protagonist. Do you? Uh, Todd does because he's yeah, upset I, that he can't have movies anymore where people, grown men, jerk off babies. Jesus Christ. Anyway, continue. No it's grown a... men. Wait, what? He said Jesus Christ, and I said no uh, grown men. Well, oh if Jesus God. wants to. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll really Catholic quickly. Church? Yes, please, Steve. Please. <laughs> this is my body. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that is the only benefit I've ever gotten out of growing up Catholic. Anyway. 
Um, the Joker, or Joker, no, the. Drop yes. the the. Yeah. Um, I went and saw it. I was slightly <laughs> I excited so. just because I'm excited to see any Batman property these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. It's uh, kind of a 180 turnaround yeah. on this. Uh, the old narrative arc of Nicholas Cheney. Yeah, the origin of Nicholas Cheney. That's right. Yeah. Should have done a movie called just, Cheney. And he's like, not killing my parents in an alleyway. One day. Jesus Christ. And he said, you will like Batman. And I said, fine, fine. <laughs> I never did that. <laughs> he thinks thou doth protest too much. What the fuck? He's literally wearing the pearls right now. Like, this is kind oh, of fucked shit. up. Yeah, that's right. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> so I am of uh, two minds when it comes to this movie. In mm. that I liked it from scene to scene as like a funnier die sketch come to serious life <laughs> because I thought the production values were actually pretty great. I thought Joaquin Phoenix was actually good. Not great, but good. And I was pretty pumped with the final product as far as living in this version of Gotham. And I, I like that part. And, of course, as someone, uh, as I've alluded to before, who does have kind of a fascination with that era of NYC, especially in relation to the the deuce and whatnot. Um, in fact, there is a nice little call uh, shout out uh, in this movie where when Joker is very early in the movie doing his sign uh, thing before he's robbed um, behind him, uh, Todd Phillips has meticulously recreated a poster marquee that changes the title of the movie, so he's not explicitly calling out the film, but the design is shouting out an Andy Milligan film called Fleshpot on 42nd Street, um, which is a great sexploitation film that everybody should watch, um, as long as you're okay with uh, unsimulated penis going into vaginas. And, um, but anyway, that was a very, like, to go through all of that trouble of production design to recreate that, that, that is very interesting to me that for a one second shot. So I love the way that this world was created, Mm -hmm. um, and how thoroughly New York it was. Like it didn't really attempt to become, a version of Gotham outside of this New York identity, and I actually thought it worked because of that, mm. because we've seen Gotham a million times over, and I pretty much am open to the interpretation that Gotham can be any metropolitan area, um, depending on the story it needs to tell. Did you notice the, the goat heads on uh, Arkham Asylum? No, I did not. It's like there was like these like stone impressions. I know this is totally like no. non-sequitur, but kind of like lending to like the depiction of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of this like there's like these faint like gold goat head impressions on like sort of the pillars like when uh arthur is walking to arkham asylum uh and i think it's called arkham hospital at this point arkham hospital it's yeah. not yet the asylum yeah it's not the asylum i thought yeah. that was really cool yeah. yeah um and like gotham translates to the place of the goat so i thought that was interesting yeah, well, you know, it's funny if you, you know, Anna, you just pointed out that mm-hmm. it's called Arkham Hospital in this era, which I think mm-hmm. is actually very interesting because that almost uh, foreshadows the idea that much like where Arthur makes his living, which is, uh, as I've said, kind of over on that 42nd Street, um, 
that entire area and Times Square in general is about to become victim of gentrification and a huge cleanup uh, uh, operation is going to be underway by the end of the decade by Mayor Ed Koch and his cronies. And um, so I think it's funny that even Arkham Asylum is still Arkham Hospital at that time, but the more people that they would probably have to put in there mm-hmm. to so and so to speak, clean up the area, yeah. uh, then it becomes a, a literal lower class of a, of a works or location this, in and of itself. This so. place is already stretched to such a to, to such a fabric. That, yeah, like, it's it, like it, it's it almost retrograde that eventually it will become a worse version of itself. Yeah, uh, and especially a uh, quote unquote un PC version of itself because our asylum is no longer used mm-hmm. uh, in the medical uh, world and whatnot. Right. Um, but yeah, as a Joker origin story, I think this is awful. I don't really... Yeah. Um, here, here's what I think. I think Arthur Fleck is just a horrible character. I actually like pretty much from the moment he shows up on Robert De Niro's show. I forget his name. Murray, Murray Franklin. Franklin show. Murray Frank. I was about to say Maury Povich. <laughs> <laughs> you different. are different movie not, not the, the brother <laughs> you are not the joker <laughs> um and so i actually think from that moment on i do think joaquin pretty much earns it uh through his sheer acting alone even if he has to give a very terrible we live in a society monologue we live in a society like putting that aside like i genuinely did kind of like the uncomfortable tension between him and uh maury of him saying like why did you even invite me on here because uh that's very true and you know what i mean like you can't it it's, it's almost like this movie is almost 10 years too late because right now we and i'm gesturing to us at the table but also live in a society. anyone who's listening live in a society where things like um american idol auditions are out of fashion 10 years ago we used to be all over this kind of shit uh mm-hmm. where we loved to shall we say take people to task and really relish in just the utter but right now if you just look at like and just going with the same metaphor but like reality tv things like the voice is probably the most popular reality tv singing show because the entire concept is based on it doesn't matter what you look like it just matters what your talent is you know what i mean and we're not making fun of you we're just trying to make your dreams come true so this is almost like characterizing this as a film that is 10 years too late to be relevant is probably the most damning thing like one could say about it and probably the most accurate thing that one could say about Just it. at least with regards to his message. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing. And yeah. uh, before I pass it off to Alex for some more opening thoughts, <laughs> um, I'll just say that I don't really hate this movie. In fact, I do like when it does flirt with the Batman canon. I do like the scene between him and Thomas and mm-hmm. um, because I actually think if this is going to be an alt universe, it's okay to make the Joker and Batman brothers. Like, like, if we're going to make a weird, you know, Batman slash Joker we've never seen before, then let's actually do that. But are they? But That's if we, the question. Yeah, well, they're not. They're never going to be, especially no. if he has to show up in another movie. Um, that, like, with Batman, yeah. you know. Um, but if this could truly be its own thing instead of, uh, I would say, Todd Phillips' thing and his, I don't know, screed against, quote-unquote, PC culture... Um, then I think it could really take off. But as it stands, I think it's mildly entertaining for what it is. 
but it unfortunately just did not sit right with me. And the only other thing I'll say is that considering mental illness is such a big part of this movie, I am slightly offended by the way mental illness, Mm -hmm. and I say slightly, like I I could understand someone being majorly, um, uh, by the way mental illness is portrayed in this, mostly because the idea that mental illness is essentially conflated with exclusively external factors because Arthur Fleck is literally never allowed to be a happy person because of other people's actions throughout the entire film. Um, even like his laughter, so to speak, is something that will be shunned by other people. I mean, the the scene on the bus where not only does the woman fucking freak out because he's making faces at her child, which fine, whatever, but then he gives her the card and her response is to read it and then fucking keep the card. (laughs) Like, that is the most dickish move ever that I completely do not buy from a stranger. Like, I buy them throwing it back in his face. more Whatever, I just don't think this movie ever thinks through its actions. Um, And the idea that his mental illness... uh, he can't be both of of someone who's a product of nothing but contempt from people who don't even know him and also be a sympathetic uh mental illness struggling person because the two of those do not exist in the same way in reality than they do in this movie and if this movie is trying to get you to sympathize with him, that's a dangerous slope because all it does is perpetuate the idea that people who have mental illness are victims and they are people who cannot help themselves and we have failed them. While that can sometimes be a byproduct of a failing system, at the end of the day, we are all our own individual person and we are making our own choices even when we are, uh, I don't know, led astray by... Uh, bad, you know, neurological makeups and whatnot. But it is just very, very dangerous to say that what Arthur ends up ends up doing is somehow both mental illness, but also nobody literally wants him to exist at this point. Like you, you can't have both. This is literally a more tactful and intelligent and insightful version of the conversation that happens between Joker and Robert De Niro's character. Like, it's just given way more nuance and, like, interest. And I'm just like, man, only had only the film had something so intelligent to say about mental illness. But it doesn't. It's one of those things where, I'll wrap it up by saying, in his... uh, interview with his kind of psychiatrist slash social worker because she seems way more like a social worker mm-hmm. than she does a psychiatrist yeah. she's but a i also social, she's a social worker she I is think, yeah yeah uh but i also think that means todd phillips doesn't know the difference between the two just in the way it's presented probably not <laughs> is that you know he's got the line that says all i have are negative thoughts and that line reeks to me that it was written by a person who sees himself as a victim rather than a person who needs to get over his own shit. Because as someone who myself is being treated for depression, I would be lying if I said that I never experienced moments of bliss or joy. The idea is that I can't sometimes handle the fact that they both exist in the same world. Mm. And so this, this I don't know, very BuzzFeed-esque dialogue of like, 
you know, all I have are negative thoughts. And a few other things that he says just seem like they're written from the point of view of a person who genuinely believes that mental illness is something that can be cured if people are just nice to each other, which I would love to believe. But unfortunately, that's, that's only half the problem. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, Alex. Yep. So I am not sure, but I think I'm the only person who's seen this film twice at the table. Yeah. You saw it twice? I did. Saw it twice. When did you see it again? You're the only one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I saw it last Saturday with oh. Emily. Oh. Right on. Did she like it? She did. Cool. Oh, she thought cool. it was really good. Awesome. Oh, cool. So yeah. I also thought this movie was very good. Yeah. I was a big fan. Um, I I will I will say that I was intrigued by the idea of having a solo Joker film. Um, I was intrigued by Joaquin Phoenix being the person portraying Joker, and I was very much intrigued by Todd Phillips being the director um, of this film. Uh, not necessarily for how this film ended up being, but because of his previous works. And I feel like, especially in the superhero genre, I'm always interested in somebody who come who's I don't want to say an outsider, but someone who has done films that are just not this. Like, same reason why I was really excited for James Wan to direct the Aquaman film. It's going to bring a different element to it. Um, And I feel like Todd Phillips didn't really bring his strengths to this Joker role, which is okay, too. Um, So, all that being said, uh, I was interested in what this film was going to be. Uh, this is another film that had a really good first trailer, which doesn't mean shit for DC movies. Uh, as we've seen in the past, they almost all have pretty professional trailers that are somewhat intriguing, and sometimes they don't end up being good at all. Those trailers are great films. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, their their marketing department has a really is really doing a good job. Yeah. Um. Anyways, though, I was not really sure exactly what to expect from this film. And I ended up really liking it because, and I I think that the big reason why I like it is just because I do like the Joker character so much, but I also am not like someone who is in love with DC's history. And I have not read all the comics and I have not, spent time thinking about all the characters. I just love the idea that Joker is like the de facto superhero villain. And this idea of any property with him is interesting to me, mostly because over time, other than Jared Leto, Joker has been a character that has been done really well in most film adaptations. Even Cesar Romano's like... Romero. 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 Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Or Corky Romero. Ray Romano's father. Sorry. <laughs> I... uh, no, bro. <laughs> no, Cesar Romero yeah. refusing to shave his mustache and on those ridiculous uh, Batman uh, episodes with yeah. Adam West. For what uh, they are, those are, I think those are pretty good villains. Yeah. You obviously have Jack Nicholson yeah. and Heath Ledger and Mark Hamill doing the voice of uh, Joker. And those on... are all the Jokers. Yeah, and then you have that Jared Leto, whatever that was. That's a thing. Who is being a big old baby. Oh, you want to talk about that? <laughs> I just wanted to call him a, a name yeah, he's a big for baby. his behavior. Yeah, he's a big baby. No, he's, 
He's he's one of those people who won an Oscar and just his career has went so far backwards ever since he so, won an Oscar. So many people <laughs> fell victim to the Oscar curse, which is exactly what you said it is. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he has his Oscar. Why is he complaining? Yeah. <laughs> but I will... like, like other people who have an Oscar have still went on to do like... They're still working. Well, I know, but I feel like when it comes to that particular curse, it's like not surprising to me when someone gets an Oscar and then they end up like not making very good films or very few films afterward. I'm just like, eh, I feel like that's what kind of happens. I Maybe just, that's a little too negative. I, I don't ju- know. I just want to say that um, Jared Leto, 36 Seconds to Mars sucks. Okay. So we'll just say that. That's what you wanted to say? Yeah. That band sucks. Their first album's pretty good. <laughs> I think that was like their only good album. I mm-hmm. I listened to them back in high school, and before I even had formed a taste in music, I knew that they sucked. That's fine. Yeah, you're cool, dude. I'm sorry. It, it, it's it's you bad. have to apologize to me. I've never. I feel like maybe at music. this point, maybe Shannon is like the cooler of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well put. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> getting back to Joker, I really. Uh, enjoyed the way this story was presented basically from start to finish. And I think the reason why I liked this film so much is mostly because um, from about like the seven minute mark on, uh, I was under the impression that everything in this film was up for debate, whether it's actually happening or not and whether or not. Okay. That's fine. Nick is really just not feeling it. <laughs> but uh, that is... The... Nick had desked yeah, into his microphone. That's okay. That's okay. We've already had this discussion, uh, and Nick already said you're not going to go there. And I said, uh, I mean, not really. But So anyways, uh, <laughs> and here's here's what I will say. Is that... Say it, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> here's what I will say. I, after the opening, one of the opening scenes when he and his mother, uh, who bathe together, um, are watching. They don't bathe together. He's bathing he her because her. she's sick. They don't you know bathe what? together. He's I will say, her. like, to, actually, I will genuinely say that um, you're laughing like I'm not being serious. But... No, I, 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 know, I know you are. You laugh because I'm different. I laugh because <laughs> See, you're all the same. Here, 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 here's the thing. I misspoke on that, and I'm, I'm now going to be No, no, no. Now I'm just talking it. about the actual scene. Not uh-huh. scene Shit, whatever. let's go. But sure. somebody was making fun of that. be like, oh, he's so <laughs> creepy because he, you know, bath-. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, but technically that's a thing that does happen in our fucked yeah. up society yeah. when it comes to a horrible healthcare system and yeah. whatnot. So, like, you know, I'm like, there's so many routes to take with this movie and this character that that's such a bad lane to, and I think Todd Phillips doesn't see it either. Yeah. Um, so the idea that that's somehow creepy, I know it's not something we want to do as sons and, you know, no. whatever. Yeah, but it's so banal and so, you know, it's it's utterly like, believable. Right? Here's the thing. Sorry. Um, uh, I'll bring it up probably again at least once on this podcast, but the show Gotham had a similar storyline that was actually fleshed out because it had multiple episodes between uh, the penguin and his mother and that was actually played incestuously hmm. where he seemed to get gratification from it and no. whatnot. So like if it was in the same manner, I would think that it would like it would understandably be included as like part of the look at the choker, he's so weird. 
But in this movie, it seemed more like like he's I don't know. It's he's someone just a was just kind of tirading yeah, about he that is. Yeah. as as being like a creepy factor. I'm like, okay, you know that's that's what's that's what's fucked up about our society. Yeah. Anyway, so back to my thoughts. Yeah. On this <laughs> film, of which Nick can pound his head into the microphone on. I will. Again, the the opening one of the opening scenes of this film is Arthur Fleck watching the Murray Franklin show and then imagining himself on the Murray Franklin show. Well, we as the audience are not really told if this is him either having a flashback or just imagining it or whatever. And I just pretty much took that as anything that happens throughout the rest of this film is I don't want to say up for debate, but he could be twisting any of the actions that are happening throughout this film in any way so that the presentation to us as the viewer is pretty much up for debate on every single action that takes place in this film. So I, I agree, and I don't think that he actually shot Maury then. And I think the riot didn't exist. Also, I don't think Bruce Wayne's parents were killed. And you know what? I think he was driving the taxi. Okay. He's a taxi driver? Not riding. Yeah. Okay. I'm enlightened. <laughs> okay. So obviously... But, like, you're... what does that mean, though? Like, what does that mean? If everything can be up for debate in this movie, why does any of this matter? Exactly. <laughs> no, that's my question to you. That's the Joker's trick. Nope. Nothing matters. <laughs> nope, that's Nothing not a matters. trick. Nothing matters. It's nihilistic. That's, that's... Ah, he got you. It's not a trick. It's it, it, it. It's banal. It's just. It's a bad joke. I, you can. I feel like that's a question you can say about any piece that has an unreliable narrator. Like even like, even like Gone Girl. Even like American Psycho. Yeah. But at least in the specifically because but, I read the book and watched the movie. In the case of American Psycho, it has a a clear. And that this is never ending, and you're not going to be able to tell the difference. So, so I guess, I guess, like, but even in like American Psycho, like there are scenes that sort of do have some sort of verifiable like reality to them. I mean, the ending. Well, yeah, but then even so, in Joker, there are things that are pretty verifiable too. Like I definitely think he's smothered his own mom. Yeah. That's pretty damn real. Yeah. But why is it more real than anything else in the movie? What about... That's what I'm just trying to say. Like, if, if people I are, feel like... like if, if, if people in, are making the argument that, like, a majority of this film is just a dream, dream sequence, like, is that where you're coming from right this? Yeah. I, I just... I, when I hear what Alex uh, is saying, which I understand from an argument's point of view, my question then becomes, what does... How far does the rabbit hole go? What no, ha- what does what it matter? Happened? Oh. What does like, like mm-hmm. how does it because this movie is so f- hyper focused on quote unquote wanting to say things about mental illness and or quote unquote society, but if it's all bullshit, then I I don't buy that Todd Phillips made anything that could be considered sophisticated. No, I was gonna say uh, not cemented in a reality because otherwise he would know his own point is moot so i do think he is basically saying you have to take this for uh for granted uh because otherwise what i mean his monologue at the end toward uh maury like is that i I just i don't know i just it's not a rabbit hole so much as it's a snake eating its own tail because 
it just so goes in circles. The, what what I really do think, and just this is just my personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, I really think that from what I was going with with this film, which is how I interpreted that opening scene. I watched a lot of the rest of the film, and then we have the scene with Zazie Beetz, as it is literally confirmed to the audience yes. that she is not there. That's the one thing that is verifiably not real, right? And in, in this whole thing, and that's mm-hmm. sort of like so. So, so if so, the so, confirmation so, exists, yeah, why doesn't the confirmation exist for other things? Why does one thing have an actual presentation of a non-reality? Whereas we're supposed to somehow think that the other things had the same properties, despite the fact so, that so it's not I given the I don't same know treatment. I don't know if that is – honestly, I, I don't think that is actually like loaded into the intentions of the film. I think that is a reading that somebody could take from that film. No, I know. I'm just they, trying if, to poke holes because I want to know if, what. why did that make the I'm, movie – I'm more critiquing that your... reading than I am the film itself, like because I think that the sort of to me, okay, no. so to me it makes the film better, and it's just because this is how I chose to view the film the first time, right. and now this is how my mind is relating sort of to this it. film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes it better for me just because, like I was mentioning, this idea of the Joker's random origin is made that much more. I don't want to say mysterious, but it's made. You just like the further, the more information you get, the more questions you have, at least in my opinion of like this, like, and I think there are just multiple cues to me that happen in conversation that he has with people throughout the film that are very similar to the conversations that he has with Sophie, I believe her name was, as he beats his character, mm-hmm. where he has conversations with her. Um, the one that really tipped me off early on, which I already was assuming that they were not together. But when they walk by the newspaper and she says, oh, yeah, fuck him, I was like, mm, no one's saying that shit. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he's having the second conversation um, with the uh, – he's having the second conversation with the um, – uh, we were discussing the different terms of – she was either a, a Social worker? He's, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, she's probably is a social worker. You're right, Anna. Yeah. But he's having the second conversation with her, and she goes on this kind of – after she tells him, "Oh, we're no longer having, we're no longer having these services available, and no one gives a shit about you," and which nobody would ever say Correct. in that profession, right? Uh-huh. Which is to me why I feel like that's all bullshit, and uh, that he's leading on this story and giving you, to my in my interpretation of it, this idea that he's like telling you this story of why you should feel for him, but at the same time leaving in all these little clues as to why this whole collection of stories that have happened that have led up to the ending where he finally arrives on the Marie Franklin show that you could easily look at it as total bullshit. I, I mean, I feel like another part of the idea of um, all those programs being their funding being cut and it's just an explanation himself of why he's stopping his medication that he's claiming that that's no longer available which is why the conversation he has with the guy at arkham hospital when he seems confused of why he's saying that those programs are no longer available he says oh their funding was cut and he just kind of gives him a little bit of a weird glance it's like yeah maybe they weren't cut and he just made that shit up and whatever Uh, so i'm getting into very specific details of things that i've just personally thought of but that was one part of the film that I latched on to early on and just kept viewing it as. And 
quite enjoyed viewing it that way. There's something that I want to bring up as, um, as sort of a comic fan for this. And I'm not trying to like harp on this for like any sort of fidelity to canon. Like, fuck that shit. That's a stupid argument. I don't give a shit about that. I'm just saying, um, I think that maybe this, the entire premise of like a Joker origin story is just intrinsically uninteresting to me because I don't really care about where the Joker came from. I care about where the Joker is going and what he does. And that I think that I would have much rather that there is, there's a comic that came out in 2008 by a uh, writer named uh, Brian Azzarello um, called Joker. It's just called Joker. And basically it follows the story of a low level thug in Joker's gang who is basically like sent to like pick him up from the asylum because he's just been released because they've declared that he's not insane for some reason and basically is just tooling around with him like for the course of like not a day but like a week's time or something like that and basically going through the throes of like like what does the Joker do on like the days when he's not like fighting Batman or some shit like that when he's just really just hashing out old debts and other shit with, like, all the other fucking creeps in Gotham. And maybe I'd be more interested in seeing a premise like that. I'm just like, I would love to, like... I, I just think that... When but you, he's already the Joker. When, yeah, when he's already the and Joker. that's where this movie, I think, is its biggest yeah, dividing line is, is that you either want to see a being pre-Joker or you don't. And maybe that's where I'm coming at it, whereas, like, I guess I don't. Yeah. Um... But at the end of the day, it's you're calling your movie Joker, but you're delivering a poor, uh, I don't know, joke light. So here's here's my another question then, really quick, uh, with regards to because what you're saying makes sense. So then, in response to that, I would say, what do you think is more likely that Todd Phillips has the nuance? To go above and beyond in depicting this chaotic mental illness that he would love to live in this ambiguity of that kind of small detail of uh, affectations and, you know, missed sentences or whatever, or that he just has a slightly elementary take on mental illness <laughs> i mean if 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 that's if that's the qualifier i obviously think it's the latter because todd phillips who's shown his ass ever since the release of this film and he's made a fool of himself for, for the most part um outside of even todd phillips's own behavior i don't think the film is built for that i yeah. honestly just don't do so not think that if anything is... it's just more so for setup of the plot than anything else like i mean of course i think like you i i do have this a similar kind of criticism where it's vastly oversimplified oversimplified the circumstances behind arthur's slow descent into madness of course we would like to see a better one but i mean i it might be a combination of both that's my yeah, yeah. Two cents. You can't. You can't ex- expect that. And I'll yeah. Phillips come on. Exactly. You can't yeah. that and I'll argue against myself. Time. White men have such a low bar. So. Oh like, man. Uh, I'll argue against myself too and say that I'm actually of the mind that one should never actually take what it's like. The director is one person, and his voice is not the movie's voice. Um, obviously, sometimes they're in uh, inextricable from each other. But like, if you like, I genuinely think 
uh, Roar is a great film. <laughs> and yet, if you were to ask me why I think it's a great film and why <laughs> that guy thinks it's a good film, oh, the guy no, who no, made yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I totally see. I'm pretty sure we'd have a very different response. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that is, you know, literal proof positive that I'm also against the idea that the auteur gets to necessarily define the parameters which, which, which of is, the work. Which is. A reason why Walking Phoenix was a great choice for this role, because I think his performance, even if he's following a lot of what the script is saying, I think his performance is really what sold this idea to me and made this even possible in my head that this could be going along with what the Joker's usual fucked up origin is, is that there's no origin and it's all bullshit. And then I'm thinking that and then thinking, oh, it could be possible because Every time something happens that seems like it, I mean, and there's just, I mentioned a couple examples, but there's a lot of little things that happen throughout this film that are, I don't want to say possibilities for, that could be created, but um, like early on in the film, like um, there's discussion, the discussion about the idea of him uh, having his sign stolen uh, and then he's beaten up by the thugs in the alleyway, and then he has to give his sign back. He said, "Well, I don't have the sign." Well, who would who would beat anybody up over a fucking street sign? Who against? Huh? Hooligans? Hooligans? Now that you mention gosh darn Gotham silly city, silly hooligans, Gotham silly hooligans, silly hooligans, those those warriors just. Banging those bottles together, just yeah, right. No, and so that's the thing is we are watching the exact same movie because what ends up happening is is that if we are two coins literally rolling on the edge, I'm ending up just happening to be falling on one side where you're falling on the other because when I hear that scene, I'm just like, oh, this is another extremely contrived way to somehow garner sympathy for someone who is struggling with mental illness and the entire world is out to get him. And in my opinion, that is the MRA manifesto personified. <laughs> and it, 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 and it, is run, it runs its course throughout the entire movie. And if we – if I look at it and I say, okay, but did anything really happen? Then this makes it a safer movie because then it's like, well, we don't have to take them too seriously. But I think everybody involved wants you to take – Joker and or I should say Arthur seriously and I think it really comes down to one choice that I think illuminates the rest and kind of sheds light on how informed their choices was which is you have to do a origin story for this villain everybody knows this villain the villain has a signature look I mean you can play with it a little bit obviously but there's the thing you have to do we are all clowns <clears throat> Yep. and the other signifier is his laugh so in this movie, his laugh is a literal medical condition, which thankfully, while it exists in real life, they don't actually name check it in the movie, which I think did anybody who actually suffers from this unfortunate affliction a lot of favors so that people do not think that this is either A, what it's like, or B, uh, so some maybe, kind of So maybe this makes you a bad person, but I still fell on the possibility that he just made that shit up. That... He I don't think is, the I don't think he did. No, that's a little too meta. I that's so that what is weird. going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Just what the fuck is, is going on here? I, I, I'm it's flabbergasted. So what is he? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
Oh, what is <laughs> shit? I don't, no, I don't know. know what's <laughs> okay. Hey, what, what, what is his deal? I, I know. <laughs> what's his deal? He's the Joker. He Why just... is he so angry? He's clearly smarter than everybody else in this movie. <laughs> uh, you just expect the saw music to play at the end. <laughs> He, he made this up, and yet people are also not buying it. So he's either the worst villain ever. <laughs> or the greatest villain ever. I, I don't get it. The greatest villain Are you just saying that filmmaker. to just try no. to? Okay. Because no. I just. Uh, here's, here's the thing. Yeah. And, and this is the problem is I. Here's the problem. A lot of. No. A lot of what I'm bringing up is honestly not necessarily even what I would think about it. Like. I actually do think that his laughing condition was real. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time... You just if, said that. But what if it wasn't? Give, yeah. give me a second here. Okay. I think for every for every moment of true confirmation outside of the Zazzy Beats thing that seems like the film like actually saying, nope, she's actually definitively not there. Mm-hmm. I think outside of that, there is one or two moments to every action that his character has throughout the film that could potentially be viewed by somebody like me who always is looking for this kind of shit uh, in any movie, not just a Joker movie, could be viewed as a possible reason of why that doesn't exist. Uh, Zeph, when he starts laughing manically, when he gets pulled into um, his boss's office to be talked about the sign being stolen, he's like laughing nonstop and then he immediately stops laughing and walks into his office to have the conversation when earlier in the film it is shown that he cannot stop he literally has to grab his throat and even that is not stopping it and i i don't know it's all it's all just made up nonsense bullshit that is probably not true and probably me reading too much into it and thinking oh it's a joke or whatever it's all good uh i'm just going to latch on to this because i think the movie's more interesting that way Um, oh if that is the objective truth, which none of us will ever know, yeah. then it is unfathomably <laughs> more interesting that way. Sure. Um, I will give you that. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to one specific scene where he does burst out laughing, mm-hmm. uh, when he does stand-up, and he it's the first time doing stand-up, and he can't get through the joke because he comes on through a bout of laughter, I think one of the indications that that was not real is that no one in the audience was reacting to him. Yeah, correct. So that's just... Wait, so that's not real? No, I mean, he... he, uh, There is this loud eruption of applause and laughter after his joke. And then when they play back the clip on Marie Franklin, there's just... There's nobody laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought he meant the actual, like, the second when they showed it to you. I'm like, wait, what? No. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, so I, I, that really went off on a tangent there a little bit of my discussion of this. A worthy tangent. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think this is a pretty good film uh, that definitely has its faults. I, we talked a little bit about the the laughter part of it, which uh, you know I made my. How did you guys feel about the laugh? Live, I, laugh, love. Just uh, as a. I know he was live, laugh, loving a lot as a yeah. thing. I thought he was live, laugh, loving it up. Mm-hmm. Um. I thought the laugh was one of the worst parts of the movie. Really, I I, I, th- I thought it, I thought it made it got old quick. It got old quick, and it was just like we had to spend like whole minutes, multiple times throughout the film, just sitting with this. Well, he's got that laugh. 
Old oh. Arthur. No, I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> like, I felt like because they made the choice that it was a medical condition, mm-hmm. they trapped themselves in a corner where they yeah. had to repeat it over and over and over. For sure. And they then tried to rest on that, which did not support uh, the menace of what the Joker should ultimately be or whatever. So, um, I mean, Walking Phoenix, the laugh, everything, like, it is in no way, like, like a Jared Leto or anything like that. And even if I don't really love this movie at all, like, I think this version of a Joker entered the canon very successfully. Like, this is a take, and it's not a wholly bad take or anything like that. So uh, there are, I'm sure, other things that we can talk about, but there are two major things that I definitely want to hit on. And I think we should just start with the most obvious one, which is the amazing staircase scene that everyone's got an opinion on. Everybody's visiting that goddamn staircase. And Wait a minute. Those stairs are real? <laughs> Anna, and it has not been on the internet in the Anna, last you didn't know that four days. days. I'm joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, she got her phone. I don't even know this is real. <laughs> God damn it, Tusa. <laughs> um... Okay, so I know uh, myself and Nick went and saw this film together the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, we briefly talked about that scene and the inclusion of Gary Glitter's um, Rock uh, and Roll Part 2. Rock and Roll Part 2. Yeah, he doesn't make any money from that. Yeah. Well, uh, he doesn't. Yeah, because he's a pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't own the rights to that song anymore. Yeah. Uh, anyways. It's hard to own the rights when you have no rights. <laughs> So, um, that was good. I really, continue. I really enjoyed that little snippet. I thought it was great, and uh, I thought the inclusion of that song actually was pretty good. Did you like how it was edited into the score midway? I watched that scene when it popped up on Twitter again. I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. I did not think the editing was bad. Like Tucson is doing something that is not good for podcasting. He's no. doing a very yeah, I'm visual. Just, I'm just, I'm just, pant- I'm just pantomiming like him just. And how about that cigarette yeah. that he throws away, <laughs> and then it comes back in his mouth. So maybe the you know what I take it all back, Alex. <laughs> I agree you. with you. God damn it! He, he and there is in no way any one. incompetence running amok throughout this Gotham. A lot of people have been making jokes about that that, <laughs> stair- that staircase one. scene when he's like dancing down. I saw one edit where somebody took um you know those those commercials for like medicine like maybe like Zoloft or other shit like mm-hmm. that and they have like a like a like a, a slow down montage of if shit. Only he had some. And somebody All took that and put made a Zoloft commercial out of that fucking and it works. It does work, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I'm just Marketing waiting. for pharmaceuticals is actually the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for, uh, what is it, uh, Kermit's nephew, Robin the Frog, uh, with his rendition of A.A. A. Milne's poem, Halfway Down the Stairs, oh to play over it. Halfway mm. down the stairs That's a deep is the stair where I sit. <laughs> there isn't <laughs> any other stair quite like it. Well, I guess you're gonna have to like it's make that edit. Not at like the bottom. <laughs> it's not at the top. What the fuck is but this? Halfway down the stairs is the stair where I stop. Hey, Arthur! And then he runs away. 
halfway. No, <laughs> I feel like that's something you have to grace to the internet. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's. Uh, I should. It's really. already pretty much done. Yeah. yeah. That was in the Harvey Corman hosted episode of the Muppet Show in season one. Mm. Look it up, people. I don't know that that scene to me is just like it's one of the few times that it does feel like just a silly superhero movie to me. Yeah. The Joker is going on the stairs. That should feel right at home at an examination of an extremely. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't even complete that sentence. I won't talk about the stairs. <laughs> it's okay. I have nothing to say about it other okay. than I fucking hate the use of that song <laughs> and the idea that that scene will become basically some a, type of pop culture canon. F- no, I was well, pop culture canon in a very specific niche of frat boy college posters of like remember when Arthur danced on the stairs and he was finally liberated from the world by dancing along to a pedophile's rock and roll song (laughs) (laughs) that's just I Uh, I what is that (laughs) they already did it in the bathroom okay yeah and that was actually a much better scene I mean it was okay but so Oh, I feel like... Because the dancing scene made it onto the poster, Nick. Yeah. But, okay, you're not really helping Todd Phillips out here. No, you're not. <laughs> I, I just wasn't think... here to defend him. No, no but I, I just think that's another Todd scene Phillips. in which Todd and co. don't have a lot to say. And they're like, okay, but you know, you know what? Let's really get into the headspace of this character. So, you know what, we're going to really fucking amp it up to 11 and really fucking freak people out here, man. You remember Gary Glitter? Yeah, man, I think we probably should. No, we're fucking getting Gary Glitter. Okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, rock and roll part one. No, man, it's part two. Don't you even remember fucking anything? He didn't diddle kids for nothing. And oh then, God. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this, I just, oh. Every time a character speaks. It's some of the worst writing I've ever heard, and yet every time they don't speak, it's, it's some of the worst <laughs> fucking absence of words <laughs> I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how Todd Phillips did it, so in that sense, I applaud him. Wow. Oh, my God. I, you know what? I didn't even dislike this movie <laughs> as much as I do tonight. I mean, it's been two weeks. I haven't really tried to think about it. (laughs) Wow. Yep. That's Uh, that's like a that's an all time moment. So uh, the other part of the film that I wanted to mention was the fifteen minute or so part of it that involves Thomas Wayne and also involves Bruce Wayne and a Alfred Pennyworth. I was gonna say and a non old and dying version of Alfred Pennyworth. Oh man, I can say a positive thing because I said this to <laughs> Alex. I said that the Joker, uh, this movie Joker, definitively proved that Alfred Pennyworth, the character, works in every and any fucking iteration of Batman. Because I loved his little scene where he was very protective and the actor. He's dope. That play- yeah, Alfred's I mean, great. Yeah, just fucking like I will take every single. Uh, version uh, and so of Alfred. I okay, so mm-hmm. that scene, first of all, um, obviously includes Arthur uh, finding out that uh, Thomas Wayne is his father from his mother, 
Um, and then you're obviously exposed to that whole storyline of the idea of likely, and as the film presents it, that her mother made that up and it's all bullshit. Although obviously very possible that the alternative is true. Wait a minute. Yes. Wait a minute though. (laughs) So now we're, that is reality. No, I should say that is fantasy folding in on itself. What's that? The ambiguity of the, (laughs) that's the, that's the exact inverse of everything you've been reading into the rest of the movie. What is? The idea that she was telling the truth about Thomas Wayne, even though the film at least somewhat presents a concrete rebuff of that. No, I, so I, 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 she's completely sane, no. and everything that she like. I just that's how does how do those those are two jigsaw pieces that do not fit together. They no, I, I think uh, if it, at least in my opinion. It's exactly what I was talking about because there is no definitive answer one way or the other. I would pay real money to have Nick react like that to every movie you guys talk about, just in general. How much are we talking? <laughs> every time they open their mouth. I mean, it. Especially okay in the in the 1970s 80s time period. Oh, and, and, and this is 30 years prior to that. So we're talking 1940s, 50s, probably 50s. Yeah. Okay. Powerful white businessman. and well, a... I don't – I'm completely cognizant okay. of the idea okay. of, like, how this can happen. How it can, could have come about. Okay. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm somehow going to go against the film's own rules for portraying its own plot. What? Why do I have any reason to – to believe her over medical files because Arthur read them? No, like, I'm just... I mean, those medical files could have easily been fabricated. Absolutely. Okay, That's what I they was... could have been, but this is not a story about that. So why is every facet of this story so ambiguous? If everything is ambiguous, mm-hmm. there's nothing here. Correct. That's fine. So why are you even... I don't understand what is happening. What? Here what? is... Why do you want this to be the case? <laughs> Did Todd Phillips give you a hand job? <laughs> because if so... Where's mine? I... I just... So, to... <laughs> you broke me. Uh. <laughs> First Nick. time you did. <laughs> you want to move on to final ratings? No, yeah, no. What the fuck, Tucson? Oh, Got wood for final ratings over I here. I want oh, to jump Tuesday. off what Alex okay. had okay. brought up rather okay. than just bash my head against the door. I was going to say, be bewildered like Nick is right now. <laughs> so, in regards to the whole connection to the Wayne family, that was definitely one of the things I continued pondering after seeing this film. Mostly because Batman is easily my favorite superhero, so I love the entire universe. So, um, (laughs) that was so interesting to me because during that scene with Alfred, Alfred very clearly knew who Arthur Fleck was. So... I got that vibe, too. Yes. I thought that was super duper interesting. I think at the minimum... The affair could have been real. However, not sure of the status, the paternal status of Arthur Fleck. 
Also, my initial thoughts upon viewing this scene um, after the death of Arthur's mother and he's like getting ready to go on the talk show, he holds up an old picture of his mom and on the back of it we see uh, the writing that says, I've always loved your smile and then I think like the initials TW. Also could have easily been favorite. Exactly. My first thought was um, Homegirl just wrote that herself because she wanted to like certainly believe that she was in love with Thomas even though he outrightly said, no, your mom is crazy Mm -hmm. um, to Arthur. But I mean, at the same time, what if it was real? I don't know. But also, what if Thomas Wayne is a douchebag? I think he, he is. He seems like e- he's either sucks. way. Either way. Yeah. Either way. He's really <laughs> presented here as not a concerned citizen, right? Just, so why would we take his word for it? I don't know. Because he has power and money. Mm. That is on his side. No, I mean, I, I understand why. Oh, we live why. in a society. I understand why society would. I'm right. saying, why is the viewer... Uh, I, to our knowledge, we're not, we're not presented Am with I? a person... Yeah, because you keep bringing up the idea that this is somehow ambiguous to a... It's ambiguous because a there's no clear there's no clear answer. I feel like C- even if define I have... clear because at the end of the day, <laughs> you can say that I watched The Lion King and I, you know, I don't know. We never actually saw anyone say time of death with Simba's father. Um, so therefore, I don't really. What if actually he was God just damn. tired of being a king and you know maybe. Uh, there was just some weird shit going on between him and his brother, and maybe there were the gentleman's agreement between the two <laughs> for him to kind of just step outside and whatnot uh, and get Simba out of the picture. It's like at a certain point, while I understand the concepts of unreliable narrator or you know psychos, whatever delusion, whatnot. Nick is speechless. That's the first. It's just it's still a reality that cannot be so permeable that a viewer can essentially rewrite the rules that it is presenting to it just so that way it is somehow better. I don't know. It's just I think I think I can. That's not how film works. I think what I I sense in your um, confusion is that they got maybe a quarter of the way or halfway through like the rules here and then just completely fucking ignored them. I definitely think that there's an inconsistency as to what they wanted to like cuz you can go for ambiguity or you can say ambiguity's there when there is none because they actually just didn't know what they were doing. And while we'll never know, I will admit because we were not the ones who made the movie and we are just people who view it so therefore we should project our own uh it's just if if you have to say it about every scene that exists in this entire movie, then do any of I don't know. I just then why are we talking about this movie? Because it's just I'm ta- talking about it for me personally because I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting too. I don't necessarily, even though I like this film, I don't think that it necessarily makes it good. But it made it good for me. Okay, I I was going somewhere totally yes, different with that going? scene with Thomas. With um, it was actually the the scene with Bruce Wayne. This is such a little detail. 
Um, but I seriously just smiled to myself when he went sliding down the pole yeah. uh, to go over and meet with the Joker over at the fence. I thought that was just such a cool little in thing from the uh, 1960s series. And I thought that was just a great little wink or tip of the hat or whatever. And I agree. Yeah. Yep. Now, whether the poll was really there or not. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> now you're just being a real piece of shit. Um, no. I, I, I like... I, and also, too, another thing that uh, I guess may or may not literally happen in the film. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm... Yes. Anyways. When we see Thomas Wayne uh, giving his speech after the uh, murders happen on the subway, uh, and he's talking about only cowards wear masks, I thought that was fucking fantastic, as obviously um, his son would go on to be one of the most popular superheroes of oh, all yeah. time and whatever. And that's actually something that's, uh, like you're saying, is great. And it's also something that's, I would say, almost regularly treaded on in a lot of comics and interpretations that, while there is certainly some that are very favorable to Thomas Wayne, there are a lot that were basically, it almost unequivocally states that if Thomas was around, he would not want Bruce to be Batman, so mm. to speak. Mm -hmm. So that felt like a very authentic uh, exclamation in a in an alt universe so, world. So, and, and as I prefaced when I started talking about this film uh, in my initial thoughts, which is just kind of spewed off into our general conversations, my real thoughts on Batman and the Joker only come from the movies that really have been, you know, in the theater since 1989. Yeah. So. Thomas Wayne is really just a non-character in all of those properties. Yeah. So this much. is the first time, at least on film for me, uh, that we see him as an actual character, and he's a real big asshole. Uncle so. Ben has more personality, respective oh, to for sure. like his superhero than like Thomas Wayne ever yeah. did. So, like. <laughs> but they do have more in common than they think. They're both dead. <laughs> I was gonna say they're well both done, Tucson. Shot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I connect the dots. So, Thanks, man. Circling <laughs> back the to uh, the never-ending questions that came back to Nick. So I don't know if this was a reflection of God, it's never ending. the narrative that was presented to me or just my severe lack of intelligence as a moviegoer. Aww. But at the, <laughs> at the very... There's no such thing when this movie is concerned. <laughs> at the very end, when Arthur is in Arkham and he is with the i assume a different social worker um and it's implied that he kills her because he exits the cell with bloody shoes oh toward the very end yeah, very yeah. very very end um and then he exits the hallway and starts running and it like it goes into a t-shape so you just see him running like to the side Nick loved the way that that scene was shot and then there were more it. people like just just, you know, appearing in the frame and running to one direction, one, running in another. I thought Todd Phillips was trying to fuck with me because I thought he was just showing repeating images of the Joker over and over again and not different people chasing him. Uh, and so I was like... I don't know. Did you, uh, you saw it twice, right? Those were... Did you think... Those oh, were yeah. Those, orderlies? Were people, those were people who were working there. Okay. Exactly. Those were people that were chasing him. And then, like... When I had told that to my boyfriend, he was like, Anna, no. That <laughs> I mean, it's far away, and I actually told Alex this, that yeah, I actually thought that saying, that yeah. 
uh, scene, the sequence was so poorly shot because it thought it had landed on something artistic with mm-hmm. this kind of distance that it actually became just obfuscated by any artistic intent. Mm-hmm. Because while I didn't necessarily see them as other th- anything other than orderlies, the light that comes in, which I thought was supposed to be something, uh, I don't know, it's not supposed to be anything in particular, but it was a choice made. Uh, it just made it actually hard to look at that it did like actually give anything to the structure yeah. of how mm-hmm. that's laid out. The, yeah. the, the, uh, the way that scene was shot is uh, making your argument, Nick, and not making mine, of Todd Phillips being like, it'll look cool if we have sunlight coming through the window. Like, yeah. oh, Why? Yep. Even though the action is right there, and we actually kind of need to be able to see it because yeah. it's on its own axis and it's from far away. Jesus but... is looking down on him. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so yeah. uh, small note for yes. that scene is uh, we're going into the credits. Uh, I'm just playing a different version of the uh, uh, send-off or uh, end-of-episode music that they play on the Murray Franklin show, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Murray Franklin. I... I um, I thought actually Robert Dino was pretty good in this movie. I enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. And I actually really enjoyed the Murray Franklin show being sort of the uh, start to finish as a plot device for Arthur and Joker's character as he starts off absolutely thinking that Murray Franklin's the greatest and then ends the episode by murdering him, obviously. So I think I thought that... You know, as a plot device, I actually think using that as the connection between his character at different points is actually pretty good. And I I thought that it was pretty that that uh, it wasn't even the discussion on the actual set, which um, I thought was was pretty good, even if it is pretty basic, like we were saying, Nick, earlier. I think the monologue is basic, but I like the back and forth between the yeah. two of them. Which I, I mean, the, the when he does tell the joke and the uh, one band member who clearly does not get the tone just plays the <laughs> trombone. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was fantastic. Um, the one thing I did love was the discussion prior to him coming out in the dressing room where he's sitting there watching his handiwork on the TV and just like that was the one time where I feel like Joaquin Phoenix was like, Play it like Jack Nicholson. He's like, <laughs> uh, he's sitting there with his you know makeup uh, thing on and smoking a cigarette as uh, you know he's keeping cigarette companies in business apparently throughout this entirety of this film. And he comes in and has this like, obviously he and Robert De Niro are having very different conversations when he's talking to them. He's like, by the way, could you call me Joker? Because you call me that. He's like. Sure, that's fine. It's like, oh, you don't even know what you're doing. Fuck. I don't know. I just, yeah. I thought that small little sequence was great. Also, to Robert Dinero being like, well, you know, you can't swear. This is a family show. I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. You're, a, you're a bad person. Hypocritical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one detail I noticed, because I'm all about that when it comes to stuff like this. All about, um, all about what? Detail. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure this shot was after Arthur killed his mom. He was practicing his walk while watching the Murray Franklin show. Mm-hmm. And he, first of all. Was that Justin Thoreau? He was by watching the way? Justin Thoreau. Yeah, that's what I thought. Him yeah. with his weird little cameos. I yeah. don't get it. I just. This in Star Wars. This in Star Wars. Yeah. In Fucking fuck, Star Wars? Fuck Justin Thoreau. Man. He's one, still, man, that guy is thorough. He's. <laughs> 
He's still trying to make people forget about that Iron Man 2 writing credit. So I guess so. Anyway. I guess he just doesn't want to be one of those guys who's just in a few things. Fuck. Damn it. If I knew his middle name, I'd make another joke, but I don't. Hmm. Anyway. Please continue. So right he's now. watching that scene, uh, the recording, and practicing his walk. In the living room... Like, next to the couch, there's, like, a little side table. There's a little mug that says the Murray Franklin Show, and it looks like it's handmade. So we can only assume Oh, he that, created that set piece. Yeah, yeah he, that Joaquin, or sorry, Arthur made that for his mom. Oh, no, I think Arthur made that, so this set that he's created is authentic. I assumed it was a gift. Okay. But no, you're pro- you're I think you're right cuz clearly I got the the very end scene. I thought it was just multiple fucking jokers walk, running around. So. No, no, no. It obviously doesn't mean Ron after the explanation I've been doing throughout this because I'm I feel like we're just further proving Nick's point. What is the point? I got nothing to add. <laughs> no, I I'm... So, yeah, final ratings. Wow, Tucson is just ready to He's... get this episode over with. Uh, uh, okay. I've already made my thoughts and feelings known about this film. Yeah. And if anything, Nick's like existential breakdown has only sort of cemented how I feel about this film. So, okay. So well, let's go to final ratings. Yeah. And Tucson, since you are kind of eager, why don't you go first? Yeah, I'm going to give this. Uh, one and a half out of five. Um, it's watchable. I could watch it, but why would I? You know, it's that's sort of my my perspective on it. Uh, Nick, you mentioned Roar for some reason, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> and I would so much rather watch a origin story <laughs> for Togar than Joker. So that one one and a half uh, out of the... out of out of one out of and five. a half Babadooks. Mm. One and a half Togars out of five. <laughs> Uh, I'll go really quickly. Um, You know, you're probably wondering if I have negative thoughts about this movie. (laughs) Fucking asshole. All I have (laughs) are negative thoughts. (sighs) Uh, Holy shit. That was was a good pull. Oh, man. Anyway, this... I've really come down on this. I remember I left the theater going like two and a half out of five. Like I really could not make up my mind because I thought it was okay. And yet I also thought it was bad. No, this episode is, I feel like cemented your feelings. Yeah. And it's not one of the worst movies I've ever seen by any stretch of the imagination, but it may be the movie that most is vying for existence that I've ever seen. Like it is, it came, it was shown in theaters, and everything it had to say, I don't think ever once actually came out of itself to reach any viewer, even the viewers that think that they're inspired by it, for example, or uh, I don't know. It's just... It's like a Rorschach mask. It is such a... Ooh, boy. Uh, See, I, I think I think you're, you're going the wrong way if you're calling this a Rorschach mask. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a projection exercise. This... Mm is like thinking you see a hole when it's really a shadow. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're going to hit cement, buddy. Oh 
So some fucking like Looney Tunes ass shit. Yeah. Um, I appreciate a few parts of this as far as sometimes actually it's more studio mandated parts are what I appreciate the best, where mm. it does kind of brush up against the Batman mythos because otherwise. What what is this? You know what are we doing here? Um, and I also do, like I said, appreciate the production design of the streets of New York at that time and the way it moves in and out of those spaces, uh, uh, both of a bunch of different class. Uh, and I think it uh, moved through them all very nicely. And I do think Joaquin Phoenix did a pretty decent job with something that I just don't quite understand whatsoever. Um, so I'm gonna give it. I I feel like a numerical value is meaningless because uh, I guess I'll give it a, for right now I'm gonna give it a one and a half like Tucson did I um like I said I don't really hate this but the idea that this in any way inspires any sort of rapturous uh love is just baffling to me and i think the ultimately the biggest mistake in this film is you didn't tell an origin story for the joker you told a serious story about the joker and that is a fundamental misunderstanding of the character's ethos to the point where i don't understand why this is even called the joker and because he couldn't get a film green lit otherwise probably. if it wasn't the joker yeah and the other thing I'll say, too, is that while I'm with Susan that, like, fidelity to comics and whatnot adaptations, like, that's all bullshit, there is something to be said that the Joker is canonically one of the most popular villains that doesn't have a canonical uh, origin story. And the closest it even comes to is, I think, Alan Moore's The Killing Joke yeah. is maybe the only time when people take it remotely seriously, even if, obviously, that's the multiple-choice answer. And, and let's, and but I think the ethos of one bad day is really the only thing we can take for granted yeah. in what made the Joker. And here you have a movie, and I, and I think most properties that do the Joker understand that idea. Mm. And yet, and even in something silly like Jack Nicholson's Joker, that was one bad day. That was not like somebody who was, you know, whatever. And yet you have this movie where this is not one bad day. This is like... One bad society. Like I was not even gonna say bad society. This is like one game of The Sims gone wrong, where <laughs> Sid from the Toy Story just got his fucking Microsoft DOS, and he is pumped because he's heard about The Sims, and he decided that he would just rape his Sim, continuing repeatedly because that's what's fun, and he that's the only way he can relate to people uh, on a human and molecular level, and. I think that that's ultimately what Todd Phillips has done here with a character that he fundamentally misunderstands. Yes. But then again, I don't know. Maybe this movie didn't even happen. It's up in the air. I actually okay. But, um, I apologize for interrupting. Final ratings. You know what? Please don't. Your question reminds me of. Oh boy. This is a li- <laughs> this is really like just kind of stretching it, but context is very helpful here Mm -hmm. so one of my favorite youtubers he uh made a video (laughs) criticizing a very popular tiktoker where she sets up the joke platform she 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 sets up the jokes and then never ends them Mm. and so throughout the video he's like wait a minute is she a genius and i just don't know 
because people love this. Like, people really do love this. And, like, on a, the same platform, but in a different place, that's kind of, like, your criticism of this whole movie. In the words of Arthur Fleck, you wouldn't get it. Exactly. Yeah, because there's nothing to fucking get. Okay, Alex, your turn. Okay. So, obviously, um, myself and Tucson and Nick have some disagreements about this film, which is fine. And all of us could think we're right that and the others very are wrong. Ross, that was a very Ross way to say I'm fine. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm fine. fine. It's fine. fine. It's fine. It's fine. Pivot! <laughs> so, uh, I still do very much enjoy this film, and I do enjoy this film's at least my perceived ambiguity uh, between the storyline and also the characters throughout uh, the plot of this film. Uh, I, I do think Joaquin Phoenix is is pretty good in this, uh, although, as I mentioned, the laugh was not really my bag, especially the commitment to the laugh uh, throughout many different parts of this film uh, in lieu of something else i mean as it was pretty much just kind of just there uh but from start to finish i think that this film to me was interesting and also entertaining and even though i don't think that this is anything that i will look back on a couple of years from now and think oh god that was such a great origin story about the joker and interesting and different I still did very much enjoy it for what it was in the theater both times I saw the film and still will enjoy it the next time or two or however many times I watch this again. Because I think from start to finish, this is a fun movie to watch, an interesting movie. Um, and I actually do very much appreciate the fact that this film has created some division amongst people is there are people that think that this film is really good and there are people who think it's shit and there are people on both sides who have pretty valid arguments I think um, and I think that makes it um, at least for me um, even more intriguing so I guess I'll just leave this off by saying that I think this is a really good film uh, and I give it three and a half out of five stars and um I'm good if Todd Phillips never makes another comic book movie. <laughs> because um, even though I think this is very interesting uh, and I read a lot into a lot of different parts of this film that may not have actually been what was intended or probably weren't what was intended. Um, if he comes back for the sequel and makes another film that's kind of like this, that does similar things, it'll not be unique anymore so yeah, yeah. Uh, i i enjoyed this quite a bit and i'm uh glad it exists and um i'm totally gonna go to those stairs when i go to new york next so that'll be great i'm not i take a picture have to in the stance that video is really embarrassing for humanity where there's just a video going i don't know if it was just edited together but there's like five or six different groups doing the dance on the stairs at the same time. And it's like, fuck, 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 fuck. Damn it. I don't even, I don't even think 
it's because of the movie. I mean, it's because it, we as a species are doomed to do, fail. It doesn't even have to be Joker. It could be anything. It could be twenty years from now during an Oscar ceremony. Oh God, we are going to get a lovely dance on film montage, and we are going to see La La Land in the uh, James Dean whatever. I don't know whatever that place is called. The place the, where he the saved, conservatory. The place. Oh, I was gonna say the place where he saves. He saves. <laughs> he's. He saves. Um, jazz. Jazz. No. The, no. The place where they float up and whatnot. Oh yeah. We're gonna see that. We are gonna see a bunch of other random things, and we are going to earnestly <laughs> see Walking Phoenix in slow motion on those. Stairs. Oh, it's gonna be the host though. It's gonna be like the Jimmy Fallon of that time stand-in. Walking down the stairs, dancing like that, and the audience be like, "Oh my god, that was a thing." Well, I mean, that we might just get this year. <laughs> I'm saying, like, when we're so far removed from it that we can't quite remember, you know, uh, unless you're still watching it every year or something like that. Yeah, we are going to look back at it as like this was one of the quote unquote cinematic moments Oof. in relation to the field of dancing on film. Before Anna gives her final ratings. I actually really like Joker's outfit that he has at the end. It very much reminds me of Cesar like Romero's outfit, and I think it's actually pretty fantastic. I actually will agree with you, and I'll say this, that I love that there was a shot of him in that outfit in the makeup at the very end, where when he walked in front of one of the uh, cameras oh, yeah. on the a studio, yeah. because of the tint of the camera, which is normal, uh, it actually bled the colors of his suit and his face, and it made him look like the Heath Ledger Joker, which I thought was a very nifty trick. Anyway. That is very cool. Yeah, uh, bouncing off from what Alex said, um, I do actually really like the Joker outfit, too. I'm not too crazy about the Joker looking, like, dirty, which is what, like, maybe the past couple Jokers have looked like to me. So, I mean, clown makeup, bright colors, love it. Well, he never talked into his hand being, like, damaged in this one. So, you know, there is that. I mean, granted, and then all Heath Ledger had was just his dirty hair, like, slicked back, so, and then ruined makeup, so. And his lizard mouth. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Okay. I I had... I, I. I think another thing, because I do like Joker so much, uh, that, that just made this film just as a start, is that it was not Jared Leto's Joker. So I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh. This is good. <laughs> and it helped that Joaquin, as we, as far as we know, was not a complete and total asshole to his co-stars. No, apparently. He may have been. No, apparently it was uh, very pleasant. I mean, he did I'm sure he's he actually great to work with. He didn't talk to uh, Robert De Niro, but that was more of like not... Him hating Robert De Niro, but because you know, like he respects because he doesn't he 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 he, 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 res- <laughs> he respects Robert De Niro so much that he doesn't want to come to him as a fan. I was going to say he, he, to... he sides with Marvel in the argument. That's why it <laughs> talked to Robert De Niro. <laughs> just stop. Just die. Just let it die. Uh... Like, Jesus Christ! You guys spent fifteen minutes talking about this. To start the episode. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, Anna, please go. Okay, yeah. thank you. Um, so I actually double checked my rating that I gave this on Letterboxd because I forgot, and I did give it four and a half. And as of right now, even after today, I'm not gonna change it because, um, it seems like Alex and I are the only ones that like this film. Which is totally fine. I feel like hey, that that's ha- two out of the four people on this podcast. So, <laughs> I'm saying that's like a fifty-fifty. Yeah. It's not, not like a like minority opinion. Right. 
I feel like whenever I come on here, I feel like that's pretty standard. You and I like something, and then they don't. They don't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a notorious killjoy. At least that's what I can no, think of. I, I, Maybe it doesn't happen as much as I think. I think I think Nick and Tucson have more seasoned palates than I do, um, but I think that's what makes our episode that we have good because we have different opinions. That's Seasoning true. salt. That's what makes them so fun. And and, and uh, nothing. It's nothing against you, Anna. But I, don't I think, think so. that we're more of the mainstream viewers when it comes to how we perceive films when they come out. And first of all, how dare you? I was born with a cleft palate. And for you to bring that up on this episode. <laughs> oh my god, that that was a that that was a that was a deep cut. Well, it wasn't that deep. It oh, went up to the roof. I knew. I, I knew as soon as I said it. Then, I walked into it. Like, oh my god. Anyway, Anna, please. Yes. See, I was trying to say something endearing to these two guys, and it's you really were. Negative, like, so. I would never be that kind of a big man. Yeah. Uh, after having a lovely, I'm saying, like, after we went to bat, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like the last thing I'd do is be like, you know what? I'm just gonna be a nice person and let the other person know that they are valued because I'm a shithead like that. So <laughs> genuinely, Alex, I hope you do know that I am only this way because society made me this way. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> it's so okay. Yep. All right, all right, Anna. Nick and his negative thoughts are done. Yeah. Okay. Anna, <laughs> please. God, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, we're all just a little slap happy, Anna. I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Um. I was not looking forward to it at all. My boyfriend was so excited from the the moment it was announced, and I was like, okay, treat this like every Star Wars movie you want to see. This was also, okay, in fairness, this was announced, I think it was right after that failed Justice League movie came out, so the look on DC has really ascended in the last year and a half. That's true. So... Yeah. But good for him for being excited for this back then. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Um... But um, there were so many elements of this movie that pretty much saved it for me. I loved the um, even the simple things like the opening titles and the closing credits with like that that font that really set the tone of the whole movie. Um, I'm very picky of the way Gotham City is portrayed in its many iterations, and I think this one was really, really, really good. Um, I think the way that Arthur Fleck and his mom like were written to have a connection to the Wayne family was very creative and could have been um, much worse, and it could have been much less of an involvement, but I think it was honestly just the right amount um i love the um the use of the unreliable narrator i i think i literally dropped my jaw when we find out that sophie was never really there so the only interactions that we know of are they talked on the elevator and then he followed her around that day that's pretty much all we know um and then the staircase scene i do really like that scene i thought it was good um <laughs> I didn't love it. I just thought it was really good. And I just, I don't know. I really just enjoy the 
the tone of realism applied to a story like this. So I just was honestly so surprised and blown away with this. So four and a half from me. Good shit. Yeah, I actually uh, also really liked Gotham City in this. I feel like it has such a nice connection to New York City, obviously, as it usually does in some capacity. Um, I do also really like, and I guess this the the garbage part of it's a little on the nose, but um, especially a second time through, I wasn't really paying too much attention. But there's this, like, especially in the first like forty minutes of this film, like a lot of the media presentations that are happening, whether they're commercials or radio or newspaper or even Murray Franklin brings up that there's this large garbage strike in Gotham City, so none of the garbage is being picked up and it's just continuously piling up throughout the city. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that could definitely be perceived as a really just weak plot device of just saying, look at all this garbage is piling up. We've got to get rid of this. Um, but at the same time, the second time uh, watching the film and these super rats that were also in, uh, infesting Gotham that you randomly see throughout different times of this film. Uh, most prominently uh, when we see Bruce Wayne standing over his dead parents and there's just this enormous super rat that's walking right behind him, which is really kind of bizarre. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's just a little interesting little subplot that fits into the rest of, of the film. I it does It's nothing special, but... I liked seeing Bruce's parents get killed in here and the Pearl thing. And it's just the same shit you see every other time. But I'm fine seeing it here because why not? I wasn't expecting to see it. And when I, as soon as I saw his parents, I was like, oh, my fucking God, are they going to fucking die again? Like, yeah. that was like no, my reaction. They added but then, the word fuck to it. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I have the same thoughts as you. Like, I mean, we saw it. Now we know that. Bruce Wayne becomes Batman from this. Yeah. Pretty much. Assuming. Assuming. Although my own argument says that I shouldn't, but that's fine. <laughs> Tucson, your ears perked up when we were talking about the Wayne murders. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you have anything to add to that? Nah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just added that they, they added the word fuck to it, and so that makes it more gritty. <laughs> more gritty to the palate. Okay. Well, if you out there have any thoughts, it tastes on like sand. Joke's course gets everywhere. Oh God! Uh, if you out there have any thoughts on Joker, uh, feel free to send them on negative to us. Negative or positive? More negative. Though. Mostly negative. Thoughts. If you only have negative thoughts, then please send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail dot com. You can also find this and all of our episodes on filmtankshow dot com. Or also on Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, or also Spotify, uh, where in a lot of other podcast listing places too, uh, and that's where we can be found. Uh, so, coming up on our next episode, I actually will let Nick uh, discuss this, as with some of these films that we do uh, from time to time that are picked by the uh, one of the hosts. He picked this, and myself and Toussaint really know nothing about it. So, um, as a next episode, we're going to be recording right before Halloween. Uh, we did a American Werewolf in London episode a couple weeks ago, and we're going to do one more horror film. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know how much because I don't know much about it. I don't know how much of a horror film it is. So, um, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about the film we're going to be doing on our next episode? Thank you. I would love to. Good. 
we are going to be talking about a film called The Loved Ones, which is a 2009 Australian film, I believe, directed by Sean Byrne. Uh, he's made two films now, this one and a follow-up starring, uh, of all people, um, Devin Sawa oh. from Final Destination wow. and whatnot, yeah. except he's actually good in it. Like, oh. I feel like he I may love have, him. Yeah. I feel like he may have just quit because he just wasn't into acting, and so, actually, anyway came back for that movie and it was pretty good but the loved ones is a uh boy it is part texas chainsaw massacre part john hughes part a lot of different things it's basically a girl asked uh a guy to the prom and he said no not even in a rude way uh but he rejected her and that was a poor choice on his part <laughs> so um the consequences, which if you've seen the poster or watched the trailer are spelled out for you, uh, are very, very brutal and maybe deadly. So okay. uh, I very much enjoy it. I would say it is part of the torture porn genre, mm. but not quite in the same way like Hostel and Saw was like relishing in it. There are certainly a few scenes that are hard to watch, but that is not really the only thing that this... So is this... It's more in the same vein of, like... Oh, bless you. Sorry. Is it more in the same vein of, like, what the first Saw was trying to be, then? Yeah, at least in the sense that there's definitely... I would say you there are a lot of things that are more off-screen violence than there... I mean, happening during the scene, but it is both trying to fuck you up, but also tell a coherent it's not, story. The movie's not about the kills, necessarily. No, 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 okay. no. It is about the implication of what may happen if people don't do what they say they're going to do. Okay. Uh, and then there's some fucked up violence. Okay. So, it's fantastic, though. Uh, and, again, I, 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 and you have uh, mentioned, and I will go ahead and not look up any of the promotional material for this film and go in fresh next week. It is not a twisty movie no. by any means, but I definitely think the experience is a lot of fun if you really don't know what's going to happen. So you're uh, ex when you're sort of not explaining, but when you're presenting what the violence is, I'm thinking of a certain filmmaker and I I just want to um, a little confirm deny hmm. uh, if it's violence that's similar to that um, and it could be way off. But so is the violence that is portrayed in this similar to something you would see in an S. Craig Zoller film or not? Anything like oh, that? good. I would say more like a Jeremy Saunier film. Okay. Um, which, okay. not to say that it's that slowly paced, mm -hmm. but it is just these very short bursts of things that are not over the top, which I think S. Craig Zoller is mm -hmm. over the top in a great way, mm -hmm. uh, but in this kind of calculated, realistic, oh shit, this is happening type thing. We still need to watch Dragged Across Concrete. We should. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good movie. Good. Looking forward to so, it. So yeah, uh, The Loved Ones. Coming up on episode 207. Last time I checked, it was on Shudder. Oh. Because uh, that's where I first saw it uh, when I saw it earlier this year, and it's already in my favorite films of anything. Like, I wow. genuinely loved it. So. Okay. Awesome. That's uh, definitely high praise, and uh, something we'll look forward to talking about coming up on our next episode. Anna, thank you very much for uh, coming out and joining us for this episode. It's awesome to have you, as always, and... Um, 
look forward to the next time we have you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me on again. It's always a blast to um, learn new things with you guys and chill. Yeah. So, uh, from Anna to San Egan, Nick Cheney, and myself, Alex Deakman, thank you very much for listening to us here at Film Tank. We'll catch up with you next time. Wait, I thought Sophie was on this episode. Thank <laughs> you.